Hey y'all. Um, if you want your lips to be, if you, hey y'all. Um, hey if if you want your lips to be popping popping like mine, then come then come to my shop and, and get your lips so it can be popping like mine. Get your lip gloss so it can be um popping like mine. <laughs> um <laughs> sometimes I feel like I just jump in into it and I don't even know I'm jumping into it. Like genuinely I started out with hey y'all and it just took me to a whole nother place than I was anticipating going. But um hi. Hello everyone. If you don't know that reference it's a it's a funny video on the interweb, uh, <laughs> not the interweb, <laughs> um, but it is a funny video on the interweb about a girl talking about her lips being popping and she want people to come to her store so she can get, they can get some lip gloss so their lips can be popping like her. Um, okay. Hi, let's get started. I've already recorded one podcast today about counseling. <laughs> Shameless plug. Go check it out. Uh, yeah, go check it out. It's like right underneath this one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but today I wanted to record a second podcast because I've been wanting to do this for so long and I just haven't gotten around to doing it. And so I, I really want to just like do it right now so I can like, while it's still fresh in my brain. So give me a second so I can drink some water because <coughs> I'm parched. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That was a little ASMR for you, um, in case you didn't, in case you didn't, um, no, it was a little ASMR. Um, so, not me singing Amazing Grace. Um, (laughs) so, basically, today's podcast on this book, this book is titled So Many Beginnings. A little woman, no, a little women remix. Um, I initially read the book Little Women a, a little while ago. I was at the library, I think about four or five years ago, and I was checking out a book. No, it probably was like three. Mm, I would say somewhere within the junior to senior year at high school. I checked out the book. I read it. I was like, this is a good book. So I went ahead and purchased the book. And I read it one more time. I made a lot of notes. And in the season of time that I read it, once again, I related so much to the characters in that story. I I guarantee you I have a podcast on it. Do I remember what the podcast is? No. But hopefully if you want to do a scavenger hunt, you can go and look. And you know what? If you find it, I will, I'll give you a pat on the back. And I'll say, attaboy. Because good job. (laughs) Like anyone would actually do that. No. Um, I'm not either. So, you know, it's just, if you come across it, then cool. Then you'll know what I'm talking about. But I think I did a podcast on it. I'm, I probably did. But, um, because I just remember in that season relating so heavily to one of the characters in that season, I related so much to Joe. And so in the book, Little Women, Joe is like a character who is kind of like, defies all like normal expectations of things and she kind of just does her own thing very creative very passionate and loves her family so dearly she's like connected at the hip with her siblings she is so passionate about them and wanting to do everything she can for them 
um, she is also very tenacious. She was moving away at the time and she was being a teacher in that story. And she even um, wrote her own books and stuff like that. And so at that time in my life, I genuinely felt the closest to Joe. Like I felt like, oh my gosh, this is like my life, like not my life, but like I can see so much of, of what I'm going through or myself and her. And even some of her struggles, at the time I was struggling a lot with like anger and just being frustrated at everything. And having just a tempestuous spirit where I'm just like, oh my gosh, everything is extreme. You know what I mean? And that was that season in life when I was reading that and she was similarly going through that same thing. And so I remember there was a couple of quotes that took place in the book that like her mother was sharing with her. And I was like, oh, that's good. Snaps for the queen. Because that it was like really, it really hit me in my chest. Um <clears throat> They just don't want me to be great today. Hold on, let me get another drink of water. <clears throat> I don't know why. Maybe because I already recorded today. But we're going to push through nonetheless. I don't have that much to talk about. I do have quite a bit to talk about, but not that much. Um, yeah. So, basically, there was a... Um, book called so many beginnings a little women remakes and my sister shared it with me and i was like okay cool and i looked it up and i wanted to check it out i wanted to actually like purchase it or check it out at a library however it was only in ebook format so i was like okay whatever fine i can log in and you know get the little app that i need from my library because my library already offers ebooks and so i just got their little app and stuff like that and so i finally got the app libby and i started using it this is not a paid sponsorship so libby if you want to pay me to sponsor to if you want me to sponsor you no if you want to sponsor me huh that's the way you say it um if you want to sponsor me that's cool too i no, you know i have no other platform that i use at all don't even have an instagram or anything like that but podcasting with my two maybe three listeners you got it um <laughs> um but yeah so basically i went ahead and downloaded libby and i logged in using my because i have two different library cards your girl got two cards okay i have one for the tampa area and then i have one from fort myers so i logged in with the tampa area one i love how i'm just taking you guys through a whole entire story this is unimportant but i feel like it just adds flavor um so i went to the tampa library one and it, i couldn't get it because it was like being used by somebody else it was on so i had to place it on hold first of all i don't understand why ebooks have to be placed on hold like why like it, it first of all it is an ebook like it's on the internet like it's not even a physical copy so why do i need to place it on hold like that makes no sense um but then i thought about it and i was like it's probably for like revenue like if the author of the book you might have to have like a certain amount of people checking it out in order for you to get paid a certain amount i don't know i don't know how that works i don't even know how money works so like don't even just ignore me i don't know anything um and so i was like okay well i can't find it here then later on i thought about it and i was like i have another library card i can use so i used that library card logged in and then i was actually able to get a hold of it so i was like cool and so then i started reading it this book had me engrossed from the moment that I got to chapter two. I was going to say from the moment that I read it, but it wasn't. It wasn't from the moment that I read it. When I got to chapter two, then I finally was like, I love this book. But it wasn't until chapter two. 
in chapter one, it kind of had a slow beginning. I was kind of comparing it a lot to the previous Little Women, and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be as good. Um, it was actually very intriguing to me because the cover had a bunch of Black girls in it, which was different than actually the first Little Women, because the first Little Women was made like a really long time ago, like in the 18-somethings or 19-somethings. No, it was probably 18. No, it might have been 19-somethings. Um, but it was written quite a while ago, and it had a white cast, like genuinely just white cast. That was it. Um, and so... Then they have the remix and it's black girls and it's dated in like a like um civil war era and so I'm like mm, okay like this is cool I like this okay it's got a little bit of historical context in it I'm I'm, I'm enjoying this so I start reading it and um yeah I mean it was just amazing it was an amazing book um when I finally got so they have two parts part one part two. When I finally got done with part one, I was like, this book is one of my favorites. Like, it is probably my top tiered favorite. I would say my first favorite book right now is Holier Than Thou by Jackie O'Perry. And I'm not even done with the book, but it is at my top right now. And then I would also say that uh, this book probably is second place. Um, and I'm like, as I'm saying this, I'm like looking over at my bookshelf just to double check that that's true. And it's not because the book Kenobi would probably take second place and then this book. Yeah. So it would go, uh, I don't know, I have too many favorite books. I think it would go Holier Than Now by Jackie Hill Perry, Kenobi by, I don't know his name, um, this book by, I don't know her name. <laughs> Sorry, this is not helpful. Uh, <laughs> then it would go. I'd say probably Refugee by Alan Gratz and then The Giver by somebody, Lois, Lois Myrie. I don't know, girl. I couldn't tell you. All I know is that's my spectrum of books, but this book placed probably in the third category. Like, it's a good book. Um, so I'm just going to use my notes because... I have a lot to say on this book. I took notes as I was reading because once once again, it was on an ebook. So it was easy for me to just like swipe over to the notes app, take notes as I'm reading. So one of the first notes that I have, which I already said, was that when I first started reading this, I felt like I related most to Joe. But in this version of the book and in this season, I feel like I actually relate most to Meg. And I'll go through and describe all the characters and stuff like that. But um. I feel like I relate most to her. And I was like, that's really cool. Um, this book had a really good balance. So this is like an overall view before I dive into the character analysis. So an overall view, this book had a good balance between touching on issues of slavery and the residue of slavery, while also um, still showing like the humanity of Black people. I feel like a lot of times the humanity of Black people is stripped away because we only focus on slavery or we only focus on the horrors that we face. But we also have a lot of great things that we face. And so I felt like this book, I definitely know this book was written by a Black woman because nobody can master that balance unless you've actually experienced what it's like to be Black. And so it was really, really good. Um, and it was accurate to the historical context of the time. Like even the people in the picture uh, on the front cover, like they are actually wearing what they would have worn in that time. Then the conversation about slavery was actually interesting because it was like these people had genuinely just got out of slavery and were moving to um, a freed people like colony in order to uh, start building up a life for themselves. And it was really interesting just the way that she interwove kind of those like horrors of the past 
but then also like kind of the horrors of the present for them. Like it was interesting that even though they were freed in these colonies, it was still under the jurisdiction of the union, which was all white people. It was still like being attacked by angry Southerner white people. And it was just an amazing look into that historical time. And basically that black people can never get a break. Um, But also it showed so much like youth and vitality and in, in the life that black people have um which i love i really do love um because when you look at little women the first one the original one their struggles were valid i'm not going to invalidate their struggles it was valid he her their father had to go to war they were poor they had a lot going on but when you look at like the struggles that were faced in this book, it was a lot more going on. However, they still, the author still maintained a, an air of youthfulness because this is, these four girls are young. Like it was still an air of youthfulness. It was still an air of, even though they're going through all these things, it wasn't like they had to just grow up and put all youthfulness aside. Like it was, it was a really interesting balance. Um, I really enjoyed overall the descriptions and phrasings that I can relate to. Like there was a lot of times when I was reading this and I was like, I know what that means. Like, you know, like, you know, you know, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't. And honestly, if you don't know, I, I don't have the vocabulary to explain to you. Um, for example, when it was at the beginning of the book. It was like, uh, it was, so they call their mom, Mammy. So they were like, basically saying like, Mammy, left work always left work on time she never tried to stay later because she wanted to make sure that she came home to see her girls and lay hands on them when they said lay hands on them i said you know this has to be a black person writing this because nobody else says lay hands on people unless you're black my mom says that all the time she's like come here let me feel you so i can lay hands on you like and and when you really think about it it's actually really sad the root of that but it's true if you were growing up in slavery could have been gone at any moment and so for you to be able to physically lay your hands on them was a blessing that was a blessing and so seeing this like terminology and knowing like i relate to that because my mom often says come here let me lay hands on you like that is amazing we don't see that a lot in literature and so it was nice to see that here also the description of their hair there was one specific scene in which they described like when your hair gets puffy at the root and you're sweating and stuff and it's puffy and you can feel like you're hot and it was so funny because so one of the characters was looking at the other character and saw her hair and and she herself got hot just looking at the other girl who had her hair puffy and i was like that's so funny because that's so true like if you see somebody else and they just look like their hair it looks like they're hot you know you feel hot too especially as a black girl you can always tell um and so i just loved that description of their hair the coils the way that they like it's just so beautiful and you don't see that a lot in literature because whenever whenever you're reading it's always describing white people hair it's never describing black people hair and i just loved that description um i also realized that it was really hard for me to throughout this book picture the characters as black people. I feel like part of that was because the original book is casted with white people. So every time I'm reading these names that are the same from the other story, I'm thinking back to those same characters that I imagined in my head when I read the first story. 
So it's like, okay, that granted, that is part of the reason. But I feel like another part of the reason is because literature has so ingrained in me that every book I read has to cast white people because every book I read characterizes and describes white people. And that is disheartening to see. It is disheartening to see that every book I read, I imagine white people in my head when I'm creating the story and the images in my brain. I am characterizing every, or I'm describing every character in my brain as white. I am seeing the details of white people. And it's like, that's not a bad thing, but I do not want that to only be the frame of reference that I have when I'm reading literature. Why can't the people that I imagine in my head be black? Not that they can't, but they just traditionally haven't been. Why? Because every book, not every book, I'm exaggerating, that's a hyperbole, but almost every book I've read in my life has been white casting. And that's the problem with not being able to see yourself in literature is that when you are reading any piece of literature, you see everybody but yourself in your brain. Um, and, and that's sad, but you know, that's real. And I'm trying to work through that. I think it also depends on who I know has written it as well. Like when I started reading Jackie Hill's Perry, Jackie Hill Perry's book, I always picture just her because I can hear her voice because she's the one that's talking. So granted, in different settings, it is different. But for the most part, when it is fictional literature or historical fiction, realistic fiction, whatever, and it is a novel, I typically see white people in my imagination when I'm trying to imagine what the scene looks like. Um, also, another concept that popped up to me as I was reading this was cultural literacy which is something that needs to be learned. I feel like cultural literacy is a concept that's really interesting because some people just don't try to be fluent in other people's cultures. Like, you don't have to know every single thing, but at least trying to understand it to some degree, understanding those foundational concepts is really helpful for you to be a culturally literate person. I feel like as a society in America, we have become so culturally literate with white people. Like, we understand that this is how to act around white people or this is what you know what I mean like I not to the fullest degree but we understand white people culture not fully but we understand it enough to be able to code switch however it's never vice versa like it's never that white people like understand other people's cultures and they're not culturally literate for a lot of other people as a matter of fact that is why a lot of them seem so culturally insensitive because either they've never been taught or they've never tried to learn other people's cultures and so that's just really interesting to me. And the concept of cultural literacy was something that popped up as I was reading this. Um, <clears throat> another overall concept was that the relationship between the March sisters. So there's four March sisters. There's Joe March, Amy March, uh, Meg March, and Beth March. And the relationship. Oh. Y'all, I thought I just saw the lights flicker. I don't think I did. I think that was me blinking. <laughs> Because first of all, how can the lights flicker um, if I don't have my lights on? But I could have sworn that there was a flicker in the light, whatever. Um, but the relationships between the March sisters has always been something that I admire. And it is something that I so desire between myself and my siblings. Like that is one of my prayers, is that we be as close as that, that we continue to grow together and we continue to learn together and love. And I just, that's something that's so beautiful to me. Um, I also really like the dynamic of going between real things that black people face and also those fun things. Like one example was that Joe and Meg 
were being all caught up. So Joe and Meg are like the two older sisters. And they were like all cut up, caught up in this flirty romance moment. And they were just like really, really like kind of like girly. Like it was just like, like, you know how us girls do. Oh my gosh, like I really like him. Like, and they're like all kind of like doing this like romantic thing. Like, and it was really cute. Like they were just like kind of having these romance moments with these young men in their lives. And then it just was abrupt. Like there was an abrupt switch. And within this like next second, it just was, they were reminded of how harsh black, being black is, how harsh it is to be black in America. And that was when they heard the news of another, like another um, colony of freed people had been uh, taken over by white people again. And so it just, and it just reminded them of their past too, like being reminded of their past. Like basically they're like in this moment where it's like, super super just like pure and fun and like romantic and and they're in this like good kind of giggly bubbly mood and then all of a sudden that's taken from them and they're abruptly reminded of what it's like to be a black person in America and I feel like that is the same thing that happens in my life like I felt that same dynamic so many times in my life where I'm just reminded that like my little cares and worries don't actually matter in the comparison of what we see black people having to face like they were like joe and meg were like like meg specifically she like had a crush on this one dude and she's like they were talking about like when they had came back from like a a party or something and they were like oh my gosh like he's he's like what i want to like like be with and and they're having these like little moments and i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know how to explain it you have to read the book but it was just so abrupt how they were reminded of their harsh reality. And like, I feel like that made me think of me and Kamari. Like sometimes me and Kamari, we get in these silly goofy moods and we just be like, oh my gosh. Like we start just imagining life and we just start getting really like, like this is what I want. Like just like romance, like even like all three of us, me, Jasmine and Kamari, we all be like, yeah, like we want to have this in a guy and we start kind of talking about some of our like instances when we're like flirting with guys or just other things in life that are fun. And then some conversations are just abrupt and are just um, disheartening and are just like, dang, wow. Like, like it just reminds us like, okay. And it's it's kind of almost giving you not hope because you're like, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's going to make me cry. Um, but it's kind of like, basically like, it's these like very innocent moments, these very like pure, just lighthearted moments. And then you're abruptly reminded that your life at any moment can be taken by anybody's hands. And it's just like, whoa, okay. You know what I mean? That's like so sad and disheartening, especially being black in America. Um, and it, sometimes I feel like it makes me almost wish I wasn't black. Not that I don't like my skin color, but that I just wasn't, that black wasn't associated with a problem. Because I feel like a lot of times blackness is associated with a problem. It's often associated with like this struggle and this struggle and this problem. And it's just like, sometimes I'm just like, I want to enjoy who God has made me be, but I just don't want to be black in America sometimes. I just want to like, I don't know. <laughs> but um, what I thought about was that in reference to one of the sermons that I heard from Living Faith one time is that we actually have the opportunity as black people to have Macarios. Hey, shameless plug, check out my uh, 
podcast on Macarios if you want to learn more about that. But Macarios basically just means like being able to live in happiness. And I feel like Black people, we actually have the opportunity to be or to have Macarios because everything described in Matthew 5 is what Black people are well acquainted with. Let me go over and run over there real quick to Matthew 5 because we are well acquainted with this as Black people. We are well acquainted with Matthew 5. Um, Y'all, is it actually Matthew 5? It is, it is, it is. All right, so it says in verse 3, so remember, I went through this in my other podcast. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but basically Macarios, people who are poor in spirit get to experience Macarios. They will, um, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and it goes through, like, blessed is the blank, they will blank. Like, this is the whole pattern of, of, what Jesus is describing the Beatitudes as. And one thing that I thought was interesting was that he describes people who are going to receive something, something either comfort or the holy, the, the uh, kingdom of heaven, all these things. The people that he describes are actually characterized by Black people. Like, we have experienced it. Not all people have experienced this to some degree. But Black people, we have all experienced this. Poor in spirit meaning like not like be meaning like um financially poor but also just like not having the advantages in life in order to be whatever you know what i mean like not having advantages in life poor in spirit mourning meaning grieving uh meek meaning humble i mean i guess that's just person to person we don't all experience that um and then once again hunger and thirst for righteousness we don't all experience that merciful uh, but basically the first two poor in spirit and mourning we are so acquainted as black people with being poor in spirit and with mourning like we've we've experienced that you know time and time again in both historical context and in current context so it was just interesting that um i related that to this and being like you know it's really sad that we face these things but also it's interesting that god has given us a promise in matthew 5 that as we're facing these things we don't have to be depressed but we can actually experience macarius we can actually live in happiness um and so that was interesting i don't know if you can tell but i'm actually kind of getting tired now because i did too much talking um i need to get a drink of water again and then i also had a spiritual connection to this book as well um uh I've made my own personal connections, but this book also had its own individual spiritual connections as well. Like it was mentioning things about God and referencing scriptures. And I thought that that was just very uh, good. And I thought that that was a good take on it because I've seen other books that try to remix the Little Women story. But when I look at it, I'm like, I don't know, because it just doesn't feel like, you know what I mean? And so I thought it was cool that it had a spiritual connection in it. Um, another quote that I loved was, this is an actual specific quote from the book, was that it says, we were never given the privilege of, we are never given the privilege of facing one difficult difficulty at a time, are we? Um, I thought that that was a, a funny, not funny quote, but it's so true. Like, when you really think about it, every time you face a difficulty, it always happens all at one time. Like, it's never just, like, one time. Like, it's always all at one time. And so I just love that quote. We're never given the privilege of facing one difficulty at a time, are we? Um, I feel like that applies to everyone. We've all been there. Um, and then I also loved the quote 
another quote that said, um, it's impossible to keep a family whole when our opportunities are always far away. And this was just something that happened in the story where basically like um, Joe and Amy were traveling to Boston and they traveled to Boston in order for Amy to pursue her dancing career and in order for Joe to pursue her writing career. But because those opportunities were afforded to them, they had to go so far away from their families. And I just thought that it was really interesting that they said that. It's impossible to keep a family whole when our opportunities are always far away. Because I feel like that's so true. Like, even my family, it's hard to keep us as one whole because our opportunities always take us so far away. My opportunity to go to USF took me far away. Uh, our opportunities with our other fam our other family members has just caused us to all be so separated and scattered across the U.S. And I almost don't like that because I feel like I like when we are all together. Um and, you know, I think that's just me, though. I think I just like being around everybody. And so, um, anywho, I thought that that was an interesting quote. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so this, this, I'm still going through, like, the overall stuff. I haven't gotten to the specific characters yet. But one thing that I did not like about the book, I really enjoyed the book. I liked how it was written. I liked even the, like, you could tell that this person is very uh, literate, the author of the book, because she just had a way with words that was really beautiful. And it actually inspired me to, like, develop my own vocabulary and be more intentional in the words that I'm using and stuff like that. And so that was beautiful. Love to see it. Love to see the character development. Loved all of that. The only thing that I did not like was that at certain times in the book, it seemed less of a dialogue between the characters and more of a dissertation statement when the characters were speaking. It was almost as if the author wants you to be like, yes, tell that to my mama, which in some instances it was like that for me. But in others, I was like, okay, we get it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, let me say it. It felt like a TED talk on black history in certain moments. But also it was a historical fiction, so it was bound to. But like at certain times in the dialogue, it was like almost as if the author inserted her voice. And I didn't like that. Like these, when you're an author, when you're an author, you bring your voice to the table through the characters. But the characters almost have a voice of their own. Like when someone is speaking, they have a voice of their own. And it felt like a lot of times in the dialogue, the characters are talking to one another but I feel almost as if the author is inputting her voice in the characters. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like to hear, like, it would switch up so abruptly. Like, one moment they'd just be talking regular, 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 regular. Next thing you know, the author is writing a whole TEDx speech. And it's like, like in some moments I was like they would go on a rant or something and it would be great and you'd be like all snap snap snaps but then in some moments it's like okay we get it like we understand like it was it was cool because it was stuff that we as black people often say a lot but it was just phrased very beautifully and there was a lot of like quote moments that I was like that's a quote worthy moment that's a quote worthy moment but I feel like she wanted a lot of moments to be quote worthy and I feel like in certain places in dialogue it was not necessary there were other places in dialogue where it fit with the character who was speaking or it fit with the scene that was happening, but sometimes it just did not feel natural or authentic. It might have to her, but when I was reading it, I did not feel that. And it could have also just been my perception of it. But I just, that was the only thing that I did not like 
not that was one of the things that I didn't like. There was two things I did not like, but that was one of the things that I did not like. Um, I also wrote down that it almost blurs the line between the voice of the author and the voice of the characters. That's what I was just saying. Um, like you hear more of what the author is trying to push instead of what the character is communicating in some places of the dialogue. Um, <laughs> this I, I even put an exact example. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't even know I did that. So an exact example of this was when, so basically Beth, she is one of the characters in the story who she is a seamstress and she basically took a bunch of like old clothes from old white like people who white people who had already left and they like basically there was this like uh like house in which like the white people had left and fled in order to escape you know whatever something i don't know and then black people started living in that place um in order to like wait for the the colony to keep having houses because the thing was that the colony that they were trying to live in in Roanoke did not have enough houses that they they had to build all these by hand right and so they did not have enough houses built and so the people would stay in this kind of like old like house in order to like um you know have a place to live and so they would also find like a bunch of like articles of clothing and different types of jewelry and just all these different little hidden gems that the white people had left when they had fled from Roanoke and so um there was a moment in which Beth was who's the seamstress once again she's one of the sisters as well she um takes a lot of those old articles of clothing and, and sews it into something new but at the end towards the end of the book she has an opportunity to now go to uh or she rather would like to go to um Liberia and this was an opportunity that was presented to her and she wanted to go there in order to like you know, do, you know, her seamstress stuff or whatever. And one of the lines that she says as she's describing how excited she is to go to Liberia in order to do so, she says, I am excited to craft something new and not have to reclaim material from the wardrobe of the oppressor. And it was like, okay, girl, we get it, but spare me, spare me. Like, we get it, we get it, we get it, we get it. You don't want to reclaim or like, as it like reclaim just means like uh like upcycling. So she's like, I don't want to re I don't want to upcycle clothes from white oppressors. We get it, we get it, we get it. But you didn't have to say it like that. Like you could have just been like, I'm excited to go craft something new uh, in Liberia. I don't know, but it was just so like it was like I'm excited to go craft something new, and then it just drops the mood when she's talking about the wardrobe of the oppressors. You're like, dang, okay, like we can't have nothing. I mean, like come on, it's just like. Okay, girl, we get it, we get it. But also, spare me, please, spare me. Um, I'm excited to craft something new and not have to reclaim the material up from the wardrobe of the oppressor. Like, calm down, calm down, we get it, okay. Um, and it was like, dull, it was like that, that's just one instance. But when it happens so frequently, it's like, ugh, okay. And one of the things is that the reason why I feel this way is because it wasn't natural for the character. Now, there are certain characters who always have a quick statement like that. Like, Joe is one of those characters, very fiery, very much, like, uh, political in a sense, that she understands what's going on, and she is very much, like, like, in her belief system. Like, she's very much, like, this is what I believe, this is what's right, and, like, da-da-da-da, you know what I mean? She's very much, like, she would be somebody who would say that, who would say, 
I am excited to craft something new and not have to reclaim material from the wardrobe of an oppressor. And it would be okay for her because that is in alignment with her character type. Like that is literally even her career path is to talk about what's going on in their city. And so it was just like, huh. it was like, it wasn't natural for Beth because Beth is like a very mild mannered character. She is someone who doesn't really bring up a lot of tension. Like, you know what I mean? And so it's just like, it doesn't really fit. It just didn't feel authentic. Even if Beth was somebody to say that, it still felt like it didn't fit fit because it was like, you know, actually, I don't even, I keep calling the girl Beth. I don't even think Beth is her name in this. It was. Oh, they call her Bethlehem the entire time. They never changed her name to Beth. They called it Bethlehem. They call her Bethlehem the entire time, which is fine. I'm just going to call her Beth because I don't want to say Bethlehem every, every single moment. Um, yeah, and then uh, another thing that I noticed was that, uh, once again, I'm going to mention this, but I'm going to mention this in another light. So I already mentioned that whenever I imagine stories, I imagine white characters in my head because of you know all the literature that I've read has described them. Even though I'm literally reading the descriptions of black people, I will picture them for a moment and then go back to the picture of white people in my head. Um, and I noticed too that the love scenes, I always see white people. Like I noticed that like when they're describing certain love scenes, like the love scene between Lori and Joe, love scene as in like they're flirting with one another, they're sharing their feelings with one another, they're like sharing how their affect how their affections for one another, and they're like, oh my gosh, like I like you, or like I love you. Like there was a moment in which Joe shared that she loved Lori. Like in those moments, I feel like I just spoiled it. I'm sorry. Um, in those mo- in those moments. Spoiler alert, if you want to read the book, cool, but if you, if you, I'm just going to start this whole thing off. I should have started off by saying spoiler alert, but I didn't. Um, but I just always see that in, and it's just really interesting, especially specifically with the love scenes though, because I wonder if that has an impact on our self-esteem as black women in the concept of love is that we are never the, the, the love, uh, what is it? We're never the romantic pursuit in in novels or in literature or in movies. Not never, but frequently not. And so I feel like that is just a, it's a testament. It's a testament to the times. Okay, anyway, I'm done with that. Um, so the first thing that I didn't like about this was the, uh, just the certain dissertations and the dialogue. Um, but the second thing that I didn't like was that the ending felt rushed. Like it felt like I was being caught up on something instead of being able to experience it. Now, the part one of the book was tremendously larger than part two. Part one of the book was like, uh, a majority of the chunk of the book. And part two was like probably a little bit of less. So like when I was reading on the app, it actually tells you the percentage you are, you have read so far. When I finished part one, I was 75% of the way done with the book. That's not a good ratio because that tells me that whatever is coming up next is going to be super rushed since it only has 25% to go. And honestly, it's less than that because the ending, like they had the epilogue, not the epilogue, they had like the credits at the end and then they had like the historical references and stuff like that at the end. So it was actually less than 25% of the book was describing part two and it just felt very rushed. It felt like it wasn't really 
thought it wasn't really fleshed through. It was a good ending. It just, I would have loved to see it fleshed out more. I would have loved to see, even if they had just focused on one character. See, I think the problem was there's too many stories going on. There was like Joe having her own life and being in, you know, the, hold on, I need water. So Joe was having her own life and she was in the like writing industry and you have to flesh all that out. Then you also have to flesh out her and Lori's little like situation. And then on top of that, you have Amy and her dance, like her dance career. But then you have this whole new story that comes up with her and this guy named Joseph Williams, who was actually at first trying to pursue Meg, but then it didn't really, well, he wasn't trying to pursue Meg. He was like, showed a little bit of interest in Meg, but he wasn't actually interested in her. And then he ends up going with Amy. And so then it's like, okay. And then, um, so they have to flesh out that story. And then you've got Beth who wants to go all the way to Liberia because they finally figured out what her condition was because she was sick for a while. So they figured out her condition. And then um, she wants to go all the way to Liberia. And it's like, okay, but then you have to flesh out that story. Then you got to flesh out Meg and her teaching career. But then also you got to flesh out like, her love story between her and wisdom wisdom is actually the guy's name just like knowledge hey kamari jasmine y'all know who knowledge was from middle school yeah just like knowledge uh except his name is wisdom and so between meg and wisdom you have to flesh out their love story then you've got their father coming back so all of this is happening in part two then you've got their father coming back and so then you've got to flesh out his relationship with the newfound like lovers because you know like wisdom and lori have to kind of get the approval of the father before they can start really like being with the girls or whatever and then you've got the mother who is like you know working and like she's got her own little story going on and so it's just a lot to try to cover in 25 percent of the book and i feel like it was not done strategic not it was done strategically but it was not done in depth I honestly would have preferred if she had just picked one character to fully flesh out the rest of their story, maybe have hints every now and then of when other characters like are interacting with them. But I would have rather us just focus on one character so we could fully flesh out their life. Then maybe in a sequel, we could see the lives of other people played out. That would have been interesting because you would be able to really enjoy and really sit in the moment with the characters. I felt like I didn't have enough time to sit in the moment with the characters. I felt like I was jumping from person to person to person. It was like, whoa. Now, she did it a lot better than I've seen them before. Because I've seen a lot of books where it's like just horrible. They have so many characters, so many people to play. It's just bad. So this was not that bad. I just did not like it. And so it was all right. But it did feel rushed. And it felt like I was like, <sighs> you know. And then... Um, so that was my like two kind of beefs with the book this last one is not really a beef it's more just a thought on the book like I don't have any harsh feelings toward it but I also am like if I were the writer of this I would not per se have done that um and it is that the ending is a benevolently happy ending which to me is often real unrealistic like Every person was paired off in a relationship. 
as if being married or having a love interest is what secures a happy ending. And then it was just like, everything ended on such a high note, which, uh, listen, 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 please, please, I beg you, I beg you, please do not beat me up in the alleyway. I am okay with happy endings. I just want to say it's unrealistic because sometimes things don't always happen where everyone is paired off and everyone has a happy ending. I'm glad that they do because we oftentimes don't see that in black stories because it's always struggle, 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 struggle. But it's good to see that there is a happy ending. I just want to know, like, leave me on a cliffhanger. Leave me with something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if she's going to do another story or a sequel. But even if she doesn't do another story or a sequel, you could still leave me with a cliffhanger. I just want something that sets it back in reality because it sounded too much like a Hallmark movie. And you know what? Maybe that was the goal she was going for. Hey, listen, if you were going for that author, I don't remember your name, but if you were going for a, like, Hallmark happy ending, props to you, you did that. I don't look for Hallmark happy endings. Let me be real. When I am now reading books, watching movies, whatever, if it just ends benevolently happy, I'm just like, Ugh, okay, all right, everybody, Ugh. you know, like it just feels unrealistic sometimes. And so I would rather err on the side of realistic and actually capturing what life is like, as opposed to having a super, super happy ending. Um, another thing is that everyone was paired off. Joe had Lori, Meg had Wisdom, Amy had, uh, Joseph, uh, I don't know who Beth had. I don't think Beth had anybody, but she was leaving anyway. Uh, <laughs> and then the mother had the father. Like, it was, everybody had that happy ending. And once again, it's almost as if in order to secure a happy ending, you have to be married or you have to have a love interest. And Meg and Wisdom were married. Joe and Lori were love interests, and then Amy and Joseph were love interests. But it's just like, why does everybody have to be married? <clears throat> Excuse me. Whoa, that was an actual real burp. I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to hold that one in, and it did not. I tried to hold back the ribble, and it said no. Um, which, if you really want to talk about it, I mean, the author really did a good job of embodying what the original literature did because the original book actually did that too the original book had joe with whatever the professor's guy's name is professor williams something like that i don't know professor whoever and then uh meg was with actually meg was with a guy named joseph i think she switched i think this this author switched around some things but um and then amy was with Lori, which was actually a really interesting twist in the in the original book um, and then, yeah, so like everybody was paired off once again in the original book. So it, that, that's no surprise that this was going to happen in the same book. It was just something that I was like, Ugh, I don't really have a qualm with it. I just do not prefer happy, benevolently happy endings. I'm okay with happy endings, but benevolently, meaning like overpouringly, uh, happy endings. I'm, I'm okay. Um, but overall, I quite enjoyed it. I feel like it's definitely one of my top favorite books. Uh, I can't wait for it to become a paperback book or a hardcover book so that I can actually buy it and physically have it. I love having physical books because it reminds me of how much I love. Like, did you see how earlier when I was going through the list of books that I love, I literally looked over at my bookshelf and was able to recount the books that I love. Like, I feel like that's so hard to do when you don't have them physically. And so I would love to have this as a physical book. And also so I could like draw and under, I'm not draw, but underline in it and like, you know, 
um, all the stuff that I love to do in my favorite books. Um, and then let's go on to the characters. So before I move on to the characters, let me first kind of set the scene for the story. So basically, this is in the Civil War era in which slavery has just ended in some spaces. Other places, it's like still kind of like slavery still happening. Um, but overall, the legal mandate is that slavery is abolished, right? And so you have Black people now wanting to make a living on their own. And so they are moving to different places in order to try to develop a colony. There is a colony in Corinth, Mississippi, or in Mississippi called Corinth. And the, the colony is called Corinth. And uh, Corinth was kind of the example of a freed people colony that did really well. So they had their own, like, they had their own uh, food that they were growing. They were self-sustaining within their community. And they were doing very well, actually even making a profit. Like, they even were selling products and making a profit. And then you have this other colony in, I think, Roanoke, Virginia, or Roanoke, Rhode Island, wherever Roanoke is, um, there's this other free colony there. And so these people, this is where the March family lives. And so the March family lives in Roanoke, and they are, they have this house that their father built that they're living in. Um, within the community of their colony, they're trying to build more houses. And they also have this big house, they actually call it the big house, which was a house previously owned by white owners. And they, apparently somehow the white owners left, they fled, whatever. And so now all of the people who are desiring to move into this free people colony in Roanoke are living in the big house. The March family actually started living in the in the big house until their father had finished building the the house that they currently live in then they moved over there um their father went down to corinth mississippi or the colony corinth in mississippi and he was actually trying to go down there to study like what is happening down there that we can use in roanoke and so as the people are trying to build and develop in roanoke um, they're looking toward the example of what's already been done by other black people in mississippi um, so that's where their father is. That's why he's so far away. Um, the mother is a like correspondent for the Union work soldiers. So there's like, you know, this was in the time of the Civil War when they're fighting, you know, and stuff like that. So the Union soldiers, she was a correspondent for them. So she would write down what they said. And then, you know, that would be like the letter that they would be sending off to whoever, whatever. So she was a correspondent for them. And then also, Joe was one of the like construction workers who helped kind of she just kind of helped everywhere but she really helped build up a lot of the houses like she worked with the uh men who built the houses she was actually the only woman that worked building the houses um which is typical of Joe's character because Joe is very much like a if you I don't like the word tomboy but if you like for lack of better words she was a tomboy um and so she was like helping them build up you know, different houses in order to try to get people in homes because a lot of people lived in the big house, um, but they really wanted to live in the colony. So they were trying to get those houses built, but they were running out of resources because the union was not providing them enough resources in order to build. So they were actually struggling to keep up with the number of people in the populations that were coming in. Then you have uh, Meg, who is a teacher in the colony. So she's basically teaching out of a tent because they don't have a building. So she's teaching out of a tent and she's teaching, uh, I think, people from all different ages used because remember they had just left slavery so a lot of people didn't learn how to read or write um and the only reason why meg knew how to read and write was because 
she was actually so in her past uh before this was uh during slavery uh she was actually a slave but she was in the house with the white people so basically she was like the doll to one of the white girls so one of the white girls who lived there was about her same age and so the white girl would like dress up meg and like play with meg and she would even slap her which was like very disheartening to hear like the whole entire like dynamic was so interesting i really like how they captured the historical past of um all of the individuals who were in this story and how like it's actually true to what slavery is about like not everybody was working in the fields but everybody was traumatized by slavery and that was meg's traumatization that she experienced and so she was like literally the doll to one of the white girls but because she was the quote-unquote doll to one of the white girls she actually was able to learn to read and write because she had to kind of go everywhere where this white girl went she was forced to and so she was able to learn to read and write which was a a uh, benefit to some degree of that situation and so now she's using that skill that she's learned to read and write in order to uh, teach the people in the colony so now there's people of all ages coming to her tent to learn how to read and write people both old and young because remember slaves did not know how to read or write because they were not ever taught that and so she was able to have the opportunity to do so um and then you have um amy in in the book i think her full name is amherst or something like that but um mostly she goes by amy and so amy is one of the characters in the story who she's a lot younger than her sisters um and she so i think Meg was probably 19, Joe was probably 18, so Amy had to be like 15, 14 or 15 um, at the time. No, in part one of the book, Meg was 16, I believe. Yeah, either 16 or 19, one of the ages. Um, but nonetheless, Joe was about a year younger than Meg, and then Amy is about three years younger than both of them. And so Amy is a dancer. She's also very young and kind of innocent. Um, and she is still trying to find her footing and understanding like what's going on. You know what I mean? Like she had a horrible experience in slavery as well as all the characters have. Um, but she's still trying to find her footing in this new like free colony. And then um, we have Beth. And Beth is... The other sister, she also had a hard experience in slavery as well. I forgot what it was. I forgot their their story background. But um, Meg was, I mean, not Meg, Beth, um, Bethlehem, as they call her in the book. It's such a long name. It's cute, but it's such a long name. Um, I wonder why they didn't call her him. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, so Beth is basically just another sister. She's probably like a year older than Amy, so a couple years younger than Joe and Meg, and um, they're all really close sisters. You can tell that they are all very close to one another, that they really enjoy each other's presence, um, and they enjoy being around one another. They're very close, and I like that. Um, so I will talk about Mammy first, who's the mother. I love the way that Mammy is written because it doesn't put her as this omniscient strong black woman like this all-knowing black woman but it shows her mental and emotional struggles and how she's there for her family and her family's there for her there's a lot of times where her mom broke down crying 
And I just love that depiction of black women being able to cry because in the original book, Mammy, who is their mother, was seen as like this kind of stable rock. Like they always take their problems to her. They always come to her for advice. She's always there. She never has, like she has problems, but she just faces it so bravely. She never looks back. She's super strong. And I feel like that's fine and it's okay for that time period in which it was written. However, because this is a different time period and because this is a black woman, it is so important and so vital to show the mental and emotional strain that black women had to face. And I really loved that her family was there for her that there were moments when she would just break down crying and her family would be there to encourage her and support her. So it wasn't just her encouraging and supporting everybody else, just like the original book was, but it was everybody else also encouraging and supporting her, which I feel like that's reflective of my family because there's a lot of times where my mom faces a lot of stuff and I'm starting to see that now more than ever. As I'm getting older, I'm starting to see more and more how much my mom actually goes through, like mentally and emotionally. And I feel like I'm able to support her. She's able to support me. And we're all just able to reciprocate that support to one another. And I think that that is truly realistic. Like that is realistic, is that we are all facing stuff and we can't just put on a face like we're smiling and so so at peace every single moment, every single day. And that's how the white mammy from uh, the original book was portrayed. So I really liked her character and the way that it was written. Um, the second person that I'll talk about is Joe. I like Joe, and I like the fact that her and Lori were like, I, I loved their relationship. It was really cool. And it was also a fulfilling dynamic because Louisa A. Mount, A. Blah, 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 Louisa May Alcott, who was the original writer of the original book, she, she the way that she wrote it was good too. I'm not going to compare them and say one was better than the other. The way that she, I actually prefer the way that Louisa wrote it because the way that the original writer wrote it was that Joe and Lori had this really cool dynamic where they were super close. They were like best friends. And naturally, as a reader, you are like, they have to be together, right? But then she twists it. They don't end up together. Why? Because both of them have too much in common in order for them to actually be a beneficial couple together. And I was like, that's actually a really good point. That like, just because somebody's your best friend doesn't mean you have to like marry them. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times your best friend is similar to you in some ways, but also is somebody that you wouldn't like, you know what I mean? Some people say they're best friend and their husband. Okay, cool. But like also in that situation, it wouldn't have worked out. And I saw the reasoning behind why it was preferred that they didn't get together. And I thought that that was actually a very mature thing and a mature way of writing it. That, oh, just because I'm interested in this person, then I get to marry them. Like, no, like, no, it was a cool, I liked that dynamic. However, it was also kind of unfulfilling because you're going throughout this whole book thinking that they're going to get together and they don't. And then actually it ends up being that Lori gets together with Amy because they were better suited for one another and it works very well in the in the book i feel like it doesn't do it justice when i'm trying to explain it but if you actually read the book it makes sense and so i liked that however it was a little bit unfulfilling because you're expecting Lori and joe to get together and so by reading this book and actually seeing Lori and joe get together it was actually cool but what's interesting about this book is that Lori is written in two completely different ways like i think that it's so cool to see these characters written as black people because there's a different uh approach to how they're written as black people lori in this book in the um remix 
he is written as a very level-headed black young man. Whereas Laurie in the original book is written as a very kind of carefree, doesn't really do his studies, doesn't like he's just very immature. And I feel like that level of immaturity that Laurie had in the original book is conducive for white people, but is not conducive for a black person who is just leaving slavery. Like that same type of character dynamic does not fit for a black person who is just getting freedom. There is a level of, of maturity, a level of, uh, I don't know how to phrase this, the level of maturity, a level of, uh, I don't know, just a level of stillness. Like Lori was very much someone who was like a very uh, reasonable character. Whereas in the other book, he was not reasonable. And so it's just interesting to see that dynamic. And I think that that's why the author ended up putting Joe and Lori together is because both of them are very reasonable characters in this story. And even though they have their own individual struggles, they're not as extreme in their emotions as they were in the original book. And so I really liked that because it not only fulfilled that kind of like, oh, I kind of want them to be together, but it was also just the way in which it was written, the way in which it developed, the story developed, it was really cool. And you get to see Joe develop as a character. And you get to see Lori develop as a character. I didn't like that the entire time you knew they were going to get together. Like, from the beginning, you knew they were going to get together. I think it would have been nice if she had, like, teased it a little bit and then kind of left us hanging. Because we knew from the moment that she met Lori that they were going to get together. Like, just the way they interacted with one another and the way she wrote it, you could tell, like, okay, they're obviously paired up. Um, and I, and for a split second, I thought that, that she was going to show them being paired up, but then showed like, cause in the story, Joe and Lori are super, super close, always together, linking arms, like all the stuff like that. Cause they're just really good friends. And then I think at one moment, Joe thinks that she's like, oh geez, like I didn't realize that Lori actually likes me. Like, I don't actually like him like that. She thought she didn't like him like that. And then I, in that moment, I thought that she, that the writer was going to be like, all right, and just snatch it from us again and be like, Joe didn't like him like that. And so then, you know what I mean? Like, I thought that's what was going to happen, but then it didn't because they ended up actually being together, which is fine. I'm not upset about it, but it is something that I'm like, dang, like you really like could have done a lot with this. And like, you kind of just made it obvious from the beginning that they were going to get together anyway. So, I mean, it was cute. It was fun, but like. And I actually really liked the way that they were written. I liked the progression of their relationship. That was a beautiful progression. And that is something that I hope to one day, Lord, if you're out there, not if you're out there, I know you're out there. Lord, if you hear me, which I know you're hearing me. So Lord, just saying, you know, putting it out there. Um, you know, I, I, as you write in the story of my life, God, uh, I would hope that it would be somewhat similar. Not the same. It don't even have to have the exact same thing just somewhat similar because it was a really interesting way of progressing their story together um amy is still funny she has a hilarious characteristic in both the original and the remakes and i just like it i think it's cool she's very much uh self-confident knows who she is and i love that and um even the way that she interacts with joseph williams who's her love interest is really cool because like it was just a cool dynamic. Like she was very much being pursued by him and it's just kind of cool. I don't know. I, I like that because especially since she's a black woman, it's nice to see that like she's she's playing hard to get and he's and he's he's playing the game too and trying to get her, you know, and it's just nice. Um, Beth, I feel like in this story gets a little bit more light. 
Like she gets a little bit more stage time. I feel like in the original book, she didn't get that much stage time. She was kind of just in the background because her character, Beth's character, is very much like a mild-mannered, kind of quiet, serene person. And so she often takes the background. But I feel like in the actual book, the original book, Beth actually takes the background, like fully. Like she, you don't see her much. But I feel like in this story, she was very much present. You could see her a lot. And you could see the fam family dynamic was incomplete without her. But you see her a lot on stage, which I thought was nice. Um, and yeah, um, another person I want to say is that Yannick, his name is well, Y-A-N-N-I-C-K, Yannick is hilarious. He was one of the people that worked with Joe on the houses, and Joe and him were, like, cool, like, they were, they were friends or whatever, and Joe actually knew, so there's Wisdom and Honor, Wisdom is the guy that ends up getting married to Meg, but wisdom and honor are actually brothers. And uh there's a whole bunch of roasts about their names in the in the book too. It's pretty funny. But um Yannick is one of the people that work with them as well. And he's like this like French guy and he's like super funny. He's black, he's super funny. And I just loved the way that his character is written. Like I thought I want to see more of Yannick. I don't know in what capacity. I would love to see working together in some light again but I just thought he was so funny um yeah and then also going back to Lori like I thought that Lori's character was very much like oh okay this is a note that I wrote down that I forgot to say when I was talking about Lori but I said the black Lori so the Lori in this in this remix version would not be permitted to act the way that Lori in the original version did that's true he would not be permitted to do so like he the way that the other Lori acted he would not be permitted to act in that way and I think that that's why I like this Lori with Joe because the other Lori with Joe would not have made sense they both were just not in like able to balance one another out whereas this Lori is a completely like he has a completely different characteristic set and so while it's similar to the other Lori it's not and so it was really interesting to see that development um and then um and so yeah so then there's a whole bunch of other characters in this book well not a whole bunch of them but another character in this book is Constance and she is a white missionary who is helping out the people in the freed colonies. So she is um, going in and she's like a teacher and also a nurse. And she's like helping, you know, and there's a bunch of white missionaries who wanted to help black people in this freed colony be able to get what they needed and all that stuff like that. But one thing about Constance is she was trying to be authentic. But because she didn't grow up in that context, it was not authentic at all. Like a lot of what she said came off as insensitive or came off as ignorant because she didn't grow up in that context. So how would you know how to respond to certain situations if you haven't grown up in that context before? And so Constance actually reminded me of Rachel, who used to be my mentor. Um, and no, no hate to Rachel. Rachel was a cool girl. Um, but it always bothered me about having her as a mentor. And I remember somebody even asking me this one time. They were like, do you find it difficult to relate to your mentor since she is white and you're black? And I was like, at first I was like, no, like, you know, we're both Christian. Like at the time I was like, yeah, but no, when I look back on it, I genuinely found it 
difficult to relate to her and it, I found it difficult for her to mentor me because she's white <laughs> and I'm black and it was good for the time being but I realized that Rachel was trying to be authentic in so many ways but because she didn't grow up in that context a lot of the things that she said rubbed me the wrong way and I know that Kamari is a testament to this because I frequently told Kamari like hey like this is what she said and I did not like this or like you know what I mean there's just so many things in which she would say stuff and it was like okay girl calm down um and a lot of what Constance does in this story is tries to act like she knows what's best for the March family and it's interesting to see that because that's actually what I felt like when I was engaging with Rachel to some degree. I frequently felt her being like, hey, you should come to the diversity dinner. Like, I would, I really think that you would love it. And I came and I did, but it wasn't, it wasn't giving what it needed to give. It did not feel authentic. When I go to events where I genuinely feel authentically represented, I know how I feel. And I did not feel that at diversity dinner. When I went to the fashion show yesterday, I felt authentically represented. Now, granted, there's a lot of things that I didn't feel represented in. But overall, and genuinely, I felt represented. And it didn't feel forced and it didn't feel inauthentic. But that's exactly what diversity dinner feels like. To have a dinner with people from minority groups within your organization that is majority white, like having a whole separate thing it just doesn't fit. It does not work for me. And I just, I, and it just felt inauthentic. And there was many times too, when she would be like, she wanted me to really go to this African-American con conference that the NAVs were hosting. So it's like a, the NAVs all across the U.S. All the black people from the NAVs go to this African-American conference. Not all the black people, but like every, whoever wants to go can go, but it's for black people. Um, and even that, she was really like adamant about me going. And I was like, okay, you know, like, I don't want to go just because I'm black. And I even remember sharing with her, like, hey, like, I feel really like I can't find a lot of black people. Like, I really want to find more black people to engage with and stuff like that. And she was like, oh, you know, we have, like, we have some black people in our, uh, not she didn't say, but she said, we have a couple of girls in our, in our, in the navigators who I could get you, you know, in contact with. And it just felt so ingenuine because it was like, I don't want to get in contact with somebody just to be like, hey, we're both black. Let's talk. Let's hang out. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like, I want it to be authentic. And it just did not feel authentic. And that's exactly how it felt when I was reading this story. And I saw Constance's character because Constance was very much similar to Rachel. They were genuinely trying to help, but it's because they were not grown up in that context and because they just aren't culturally aware. It just was not authentic. There was even a time in which Constance said, uh, uh, boo, 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 boo. so it was basically there was this interaction. I took a screenshot of it because I thought it was really funny. Um, so basically Constance was talking to Beth and I think to Joe. And so Beth and Joe, Joe was saying something about something and basically the whole situation was that they were angry at their oppressors. They were angry that white people continue to damage what they're trying to do. And um, basically Constance, the white girl was like, well, you know, you just have to be forgiving and you have to be loving. And like, that is what the scriptures say. Like it tells us to be loving and it tells us to be forgiving. And Beth, who is the mild mannered one who normally doesn't go off on people, in this story, she went off on her. 
And she said, it's difficult to let those who held the scripture hostage and warped it to justify enslavement and treachery stand as authorities on its meaning. Oh, girl, how can you be white and stand on the authority of God's word? You cannot be as you cannot be an authority on the meaning of God. Like you are not the authority. You're not who we go to to see whether or not is this the meaning of what God is trying to say. And then Beth continued and she said, I don't mean to imply that there isn't a true and certain meaning, but it will rarely be championed by the same people who distorted it in their favor. The true meaning of God's word is not going to be championed, is not going to be really emphasized by the same people who distorted the word of God in their favor. Meaning, white people are not going to champion for the true truth of God, the true truth of Jesus, because they distorted it for their own favor. Not, not, I'm, I'm not trying to put paint a broad stroke. This is just genuine, generally speaking. This is not every single white person you meet is like this, no. But I'm just saying, when white people have already done this in the past of changing it in their favor, which let's take it away from white people people in general we all do this black people even do the same thing we all do this to justify and excuse our sins and to distort the word of god in our favor we do that all of us do that regardless of race but i just thought that that specific quote was really interesting and it was a great way to combat what constance was saying because constance was saying oh you just need to love and forgive how can you love and forgive such a treacherous situation it's hard you can't just love and forgive like it takes a process to love and forgive people who literally put you in slavery. Like, you know what I mean? And then later on, Beth says, if we were loved by our neighbors, there'd be no record to keep after all. So basically what happened was, I think Joe was keeping a record or like some degree holding a grudge against the slavery, right? Or something that happened to her. And Constance then says, well, the Bible says, like, don't keep a record of wrong. You need to forgive. And then that's when Beth hit him with the, if we were loved by our neighbors, there'd be no record to keep after all. And that's true. If we were loved by our neighbors, there would be no record to keep of wrong. And therefore, it would be easier for us to keep no record of others' wrongdoing, period. So I just thought that that was interesting. And so that was constant. And then I left the character... No, I want to do a character analysis of Wisdom. Um, I like Wisdom. Wisdom and Honor, they're both brothers. Honor was a silly, goofy character. But, and, like, you could tell that Wisdom was, like, kind of silly, goofy with his brother. But he also knew how to keep it in check because he was really trying to get with Meg. And, like, he, so when they were at this party, so, the, you know, when I told you guys about the big house was where all of the, Free people who weren't living in the colony yet were living. They had a party at the Freed House because there was a wedding that was going, or like a wedding reception um, at the big house because two people were getting married. And so they had all gone over there. All the people from the colony and from the big house had all gotten together so that they could, oh, not my AirPods, uh, my AirPods is dying. Um, but they had all gotten together so that they could celebrate these people's um, wedding. And so it was really cool. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's really dope. And so they're all going over to the big house and Meg and Joe end up going to the ballroom and they're about to start dancing. Joe doesn't want to dance. 
So she just walks up the stairs, and then that's when she ends up meeting Lori. And then Meg actually starts dancing. This is the same thing that happens in the original book. Um, and so Meg starts dancing, and she ends up dancing with Wisdom, and they actually kind of have like a thing for one another. So then you kind of see throughout this entire story, in part one and in part two, that Wisdom starts trying to, he starts experiencing a lot of character development and getting out of that like immature mind frame and really trying to solidify his craft in order to kind of gain Meg's respect and kind of like get with her. I was like, I was like, yes, we love a black man and we love a black woman and we love a black family. More power to you. Um, no, but seriously, we do. We love a black man. We love a black family. We love a black woman. And it was just so cool to see that like he was actually developing his character for himself, but also in order for him to be the best that he could be for her. And I thought that that was really dope. And I love that. I think that that is how it should be. He even like started up his own mowing business. So there was like a, a like this is really old time lawn mowing machine. And he was using that in order to like, you know, mow people's lawn around the colony because, you know, at the time they didn't have a whole bunch of stuff built at the time. And they still wanted to keep the place looking nice. And so he, he would often use the uh, lawnmower machine to go around and mow people's lawns in order to, you know, keep the place looking great. And so, yeah, the cosmetics of, of the colony, he really was trying to focus on. And he was really doing that and working hard at it. And there's just a lot of really cute scenes and moments with him and Meg that I thought was cool. Um, and then there's Meg. And the reason why I saved Meg for last was because she's the character that I think I relate the most to in this season, and particularly because of the way that she's written. Like, the Meg in the other one, I didn't really relate to her that much. I definitely related more to Joe in the other one. But in this one, I, I feel like I relate more to Meg. Oh, I thought I heard some knocking. I got a little bit scared, y'all. Okay, anyway, um, I feel like I relate the most to her. I feel like the reason why I relate the most to her is because in this book, her character is just written so beautifully and it's written so much like what I'm facing in life right now. Basically, Meg has this conflict of being 19 and she's not sure if she should be doing adult things while also trying to like still be with her siblings and still connect with them and still like being afforded a childhood she wasn't really afforded a childhood and so now she's like in this transition period and she's trying to transition to adulthood um and it's just it's really interesting so first of all she is trying to find the balance between being an adult and still being a kid. I feel like I'm finding that too. Like, I am not fully an adult. I don't have kids. And yet, I'm also an adult because I pay bills and, like, you know what I mean? And so it's, like, trying to find that transition or that balance between, like, adulthood and, like, childhood and trying to transition out of that and into the former. And it's just so interesting to see that played out because I felt like so connected to that. I was like, that's exactly how I feel too. And it was really cool. And then also she's making this transition to adulthood in a weird time where she didn't get 
rites of passage. Like, she didn't, you know, like, I feel like even though, even though during slavery, they didn't, like, graduate from college and, like, stuff like that, I feel like they still had cultural rites of passage. As we naturally do as humans, we develop things that help us to feel human. And I feel like rites of passage were that. And so even living on a plantation, there are still probably things that signaled this person is moving out of childhood and into adulthood. But because she moved out of childhood and into adulthood in a time in which they're also moving from slavery to freedom, she now is navigating a new world where she does not have those same rites of passage. And she's not able to transition as she may have seen other people transition. And I feel like that relates to me because, and, and like, it's because, you know, it's not the same, but it's because like in a pandemic, I didn't, I wasn't afforded a lot of those rites of passage. We didn't have a senior prom or a graduation. A lot of those things that normally signal you're moving out of childhood and into adulthood. And so not being able to do those things, not being able to be in college for four years. Like I'm only in college for two years. My college experience is, is expedited. And so now I'm kind of like, I kind of wish I could stay a little bit longer so I could, you know, get into different clubs. And then also being online. Like those are things that have affected me. And so now as I'm transitioning into adulthood, it's such a weird time because it's not those typical rites of passage that signal that you're developing into adulthood. And so now it's even harder for me to find that balance between being an adult and being a child. And I think that that's a similar thing that she's going through. As her family is now experiencing freedom and no longer in slavery, she's trying to find that balance between adulthood and childhood. Um, and then also I related to her because she's once again a teacher. Um, and she also has this incredible desire to be married. And so I see that like that's something similar to me is that like I have a deep desire to be married. And I thought that, that was really cool. And then also um, another thing that I noticed was that she is very young and she also sees other people do her age doing other things that she, and just being constantly conflicted. Like I see one thing is like there was a lot of people her age who were getting married and she wanted to also be married. And so she's seeing all these people her age who are married. She also wants that. And so then she's comparing herself to them. But then also she doesn't want to get married yet because she doesn't think that she's ready and she still wants to pursue her teaching. And like, I feel like that's so much like me. Like, I want to get married. I have this desire to get married. But then I also don't want to get married because, like, I have this desire to do other things. And so it's just a whole bunch of conflicting things. But I thought it was really cute the way that her and Wisdom Story ended up being together because she didn't, like, he was somebody who was very much, like, kind of down to earth, like, just kind of, like, hands-on. Like, he just does whatever needs to be done. He's not the most highly educated person. Like, all this stuff like that. Like, she's just, like, he's just a good man. And like, that's what she wanted. And I was like, same here. Like, I don't care whether or not you're highly educated, whether you got your doctorate degree. I just want your character to be in alignment with God. And then for us to be compatible for one another. That's all I care about. And so I just thought that that was an interesting point too. And she even compared herself to her sister. Because her sister, Joe was experiencing so much with Lori. And they just fit so naturally together that Meg started comparing herself to them too because Meg was like, well, dang, I want somebody that I could be like that with. 
And I find myself doing that too, not in the sense of my sister, but just in the sense of like other people that I see. Um, and I hope not with my sister, but um, it's just like you see the people around you doing things that you want to do. And you're like, dang, like I wish I could do that too. Um, and then another way that I relate to Meg is she just had this boldness in speaking up, but also politely telling people off. And I was like, dang, that's me too. Like there was a bunch of moments and scenes in which like, she was very bold and she spoke up and she was very uh, much just politely telling people off and being like, that, nope, that's not what we're going to do. And I thought that was funny because especially as a teacher, you have to be very much able to let people know what's what, um, but in a kind way. And I, I felt like that's what I saw in her. So I thought that that was cool. And also just the way that she's um, there for her mother and very much like a family oriented person. All of them are family oriented, but she was probably the most family oriented out of all of them um, in that she was like at home, like with the family the most. And I just thought that that was really cool. And I was like, dang, like, I love that. And so I think I related the most to her in this book. But overall, the book was really great. And it was amazing. And it is definitely in my top three. If you want to check out the book, um, I would highly suggest doing so. Let me look up the name. I mean, the so many beginnings. Oh. 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 By Bethany C. Morrow. They have a hardcover book? This whole time, I thought they didn't have a hardcover book, and now come to find out, they did. And you know what? It really do be like that. Thank you guys for taking this journey. If nothing, if, if, if there is nothing else that came out of this podcast today, it is that I discovered that there is a hardcover version of the book so many beginnings. But yeah, once again, if you want to check out the book, check it out. It is by Bethany C. Morrow. And uh, I would highly suggest that you read it. Once again, I'm not being sponsored. But Bethany, if you want to sponsor me, love, I'm here. I'm here. Listen, listen. If you want to sponsor me, even think twice. Just do it. Um, already talked about sponsorships in the last one, in the last bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you want to sponsor me as well, I mean, who's stopping you? Who's stopping you? Um, I hope that you all have a lovely day. And now that I know that this book is only $14, I think I'm going to buy it. I think that's what I'm going to afford myself with today. And I love you all. I hope you all have a wonderful day. And I'll see you on the next one. Peace out, Girl Scout. <laughs> Goodbye.